When we stand firm on Christ, then we won't fall for the tricks of the enemy. Amen? Ephesians chapter 6, verse number, we're going to read verse number 10 to verse number 12. Here's what it says. It says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies, all the tricks of the devil. For we, that's you and me, look at your neighbor say, that's you. Look at your other neighbor, the one you chose second. Say, yeah, you too. Yep. For we, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Would you pray with me tonight? God, thank you so much that you're in this place. God, would you speak to us? Would you show up? Would you do what only you can do tonight? God, I pray that um, we would literally, like, discover some of the tricks of the enemy, God, because we know that even though he's got his tricks, you got your plans. And your plans are so much greater than any scheme of the enemy. And greater are you, God, that lives in us than he that is in the world. So, God, come in, take over, God. Do what only you can do, God. Um, I don't do it often, but um, I, get, I get hate for it, so I'm going to right now, God. Would you, God, uh, just bless baseball um, and all the 9,000 regular season games um, I don't have a crazy amount of allegiance to any team, but I suppose since it's seemingly uh, they're on your team, God, would you help the angels out? They started, they apparently started one in five in the season, and they've got the best player in baseball, Mike Trout. So help them, God, and help us to be able to endure the regular season that lasts 364 days. Help us in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> um, so, so the, the mystery disappearance of uh, Flight 19, uh, it happened December, it all started December 5th, 1945, shortly after the Second World War. And um, uh, five TBM Avenger torpedo bomber planes took off from a naval air station from Fort Lauderdale in Florida. And, and they were going on, um, they were going on a, a training mission that was called Navigation Problem one. The leader of the mission was a guy named Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor. This guy was like a really experienced pilot. He had actually, um, he was a, a decorated war veteran and flew in a lot of combat missions in World War II. Extremely, um, extremely experienced pilot. And the entire training was supposed to last somewhere around three hours. But this three-hour training was going to go all the way around the perimeter through the heart of the infamous Bermuda Triangle. And so um, about halfway through Flight 19's training mission, uh, they hit some unexpected weather. They hit an unexpected storm. And on the other side of this storm, on the other side of this uh, cloud cover and this heavy rain, thunder and lightning, um, on the other side, Flight 19 became really disoriented and, and they became lost. And they started saying things over the radio, things like, um, I don't know where we are. We must, have lost, we must have got lost after the last turn. They even reported that um, at one point that they believed that they were over the key islands, the keys in the Bahamas, which would have put them hundreds of miles off course. Hundreds of miles off course. They were incredibly disoriented. After hours and hours and hours of being disoriented, they literally started arguing over which direction to begin flying as their fuel became dangerously low. Towards the end of... Uh, 
their radio contact, the last communication that came through was this uh, said by Lieutenant Charles. He said, all planes close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless landfall. When the first plane drops below 10 gallons of fuel, we will all go down together. And a few minutes later, uh, the, radio, the radio communication was replaced by a really eerie, silent buzz. And Flight, flight 19 was never heard from again. Uh, the mystery of it all is at the center of the Bermuda Triangle on a flight course that the, the military was tracking step by step by step, they were never able to find a single crashed plane, any wreckage whatsoever. And to this day, Flight 19 remains a mystery and they have no clue where the planes are. They never, ever found them. To add to the mystery in the middle of the Bermuda Triangle, legitimately, like literally right as, um, right as they began to... Um, stressed that their fuel was dangerously low, they launched the search and rescue crew. And one of the planes, uh, it was an amphibious plane, one of the ones that land on, um, on water, they took off with 13 men inside as the, one of the search and rescue vehicles. And they followed the exact planned flight pattern of Flight 19. And that plane, which was called the Mariner, that plane too, immediately um, after the second turn of the same place where um, Flight 19 had experienced the storm that got them disoriented, they too began to send distress signals that they were disoriented. They didn't know where they, where they were at. And the Mariner ended up crashing into the Atlantic Ocean as well. And that plane also was never, ever discovered, never found and they have no idea where it is to this day. I, I, maybe I'm just a nerd, but like this kind of stuff just like interests me so much. To this day, we have no clue where these six planes and, and these, these uh, 20, I believe it's 26 individuals, um, each of the planes in Flight 19, each one of them had three uh, naval airmen or Marines, except for one of the planes that only had two pilots in it. We, we have no clue where they are. And, and to today, it's a pretty big mystery, but recent science has actually discovered what might be an explanation. Did you know that in the Bermuda Triangle, the Bermuda Triangle is actually one of two places on the entire planet. There's only two places. The Bermuda Triangle is one of them where what's called true north and magnetic north essentially collide. Does everyone know what true north and magnetic north is? So when you have a compass, there's true north and there's magnetic north. True north is the very north point of our planet, which is essentially the North Pole. But our planet is actually one big magnet, and so there's also magnetic north. So there's two different locations that depending on where you're at on the planet, your compass will either point to true north or it'll point to magnetic north. And the Bermuda Triangle is one of two places on the entire planet where these points collide, basically making it to where compasses can freak out and go crazy. This is what the U.S. Coast Guard is quoted saying about the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, it says, they said, the majority of disappearances can be attributed to the area's unique environmental features. First, the Bermuda Triangle is one of two places on Earth that magnetic compasses uh, point towards true north. Normally, they would point towards magnetic north. The difference between the two is known as compass variation. Everyone say compass variation. Dweebs. <laughs> the amount of, check this out, check out what they say. This is a, a straight quote from the U.S. Coast Guard. The amount of variation changes by as much as 20 degrees as one circumnavigates the Earth. 
If this compass variation or error is not compensated for, a navigator could find his or herself far off course and in deep trouble. You know, directly after Flight 19 flew through that storm that caused all the disorientation, you know the first distress signal that they, that they gave was that they had malfunctions in their compasses. Lieutenant Charles actually sent out this quote over the radio. He said, both of my compasses are out. These torpedo bombers were actually each equipped with two compasses, and he said neither of them were working. Where are you going with this, Pastor Corey? What does this have to do with sucker, the tricks we fall for? Nothing. I just watched a documentary on Netflix, and I thought it was awesome. <laughs> no, there is a documentary on Netflix about the Bermuda Triangle, though, and it is awesome. Um, I don't know what it's called. I can't remember. I think it's called uh, um, Draining the Bermuda or Draining the Triangle, something like that. One of the two. It is really tight. It is awesome. Um, here's the thing is that, that maybe this like really big mystery of 29 missing individuals and six planes that to this day have never been found, like literally not a single piece of these planes have ever been found. Maybe this crazy um, mystery is actually a very explainable trick of the triangle called compass navigation. Did you know that the, the Bermuda Triangle's nickname is actually the Devil's Triangle? And, and wouldn't it make sense that this mysterious, infamous place on earth called the Devil's Triangle would have a few tricks up its sleeve? Can I tell you tonight, like, the devil has a few tricks up his sleeve. And he wants to use every one of those tricks on you. Because you're a child of God, and he wants to stop the purposes of God, the plans of God, from carrying out in your life. And so he's going to pull out every trick that he's got. And one of the most famous, one of the most infamous tricks, it's not compass navigation, but it's called offense. O-F-F-E-N-S-E. -F -F -E -E. Write that word down if you're taking notes. Offense. You know offense. Like when somebody says something and you're like, well, I'm offended. When someone does something and you get your feelings hurt. You, you know, in really extreme circumstances, when someone has done something to you and, and you're hurt, and then what you do is you hold on to that hurt and you wrap your heart around that hurt, and then you just let that hurt ultimately control your mind and your heart and your life until finally, like a compass needle spinning in circle, your life is just disoriented, going in circles, and before you know it, you feel like you're legitimately crash landing. Offense. It's one of the, the strongest tools and tricks of the enemy. And tonight, that's the, that's the weapon and the trick of the enemy that we're going to talk about. Here's the sermon in a sentence for you note takers. Offense puts up offense. Grace breaks down barriers. Offense, offense puts up offense. But grace breaks down barriers. Let's talk about three ways that we can, that we can um, combat offense. Note takers, point one, recognize. Look at your neighbor, tell them, you better recognize. Can you do it a little less white, please? Like turn to your second neighbor and uh, with a little bit more attitude, can you tell them, you better recognize. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, 
you ever been in public, like you ever been at the mall or maybe, maybe at school or, or somewhere and somebody comes up to you and they're like, hey, what's up, how are you? And you don't recognize them? You ever have that moment and you're like, hmm. You ever have it in reverse where like someone doesn't recognize you and you're like, dang it. You ever have the moment where like somebody is waving at you and you think you recognize them so you're like, hi, but they're waving at the person behind you? <laughs> It's the worst. Um, Amber and I, on, on, on Sunday afternoon, we were at Ross. Anybody shop at Ross? Once in a while, man, like, it will take you, it'll take you like seven and a half hours to find anything good, but then out of nowhere, you'll find like some hardened ones for 25 cents, you know? It's like, yes, but they only have them in size 14, so you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, but um, we were at Ross, and, and we were picking up some gifts for, for my niece. We were on our way to see my niece for her birthday, and we were picking her up a gift, and so we go and we get in line, but the line is like 15 people, like maybe 20. It could have been 4,000. I don't know, but the line is like so long, and I'm like, I immediately, that's the moment where I become a mathematician, and I see how many people are in the line, and I calculate how long it just took the two, because there was only two cashiers. Let me say that again. There's 20 people in line, and there's two cashiers. You guys should be more, like, irritated with me. And so, thank you. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> They're so petty. Oh, yeah. Where's, uh, and so, so I'm like, we're going to be here for like five hours. And so about halfway through the line, I kid you not, one of the two cashiers does this on his little register thing. Boop, boop, boop. And he walks out the front door. We're down to one cashier, people. Like, I'm like, I'm seriously under my breath. I'm just like muttering so many things. Like I'm so, I'll let you know I did not cuss, praise God. Um, but I'm so, like, I'm so irritated. I'm so mad. Amber's like, come on, honey, like calm down. It's okay. Jesus is still on the throne. And I was like, woman, submit. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> but I was so mad. We get to the front of the line. We're the next people to go. And the lady at her register, she says, I'll take the next customer in line. And we'll walk over. And she's like, how's your day going? And like, never like unclenching my teeth. I'm like, great. <laughs> like, like my, good. My, my day is good. How's your day going? She goes, it was good. And then in her, uh, in her beautiful African accent, she said, how was church today? And I said, how you know? You like sense the anointing or like? And she, said, she, she says to me, you don't know me, but I know you. And I know you are a pastor. She said, she said in her beautiful African accent, she said, I know you are the man of God. And I was like, so you go to the bridge. She says, yes, I, I love the church. I love the pastors. And all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, Corey, check yourself. Like, you never know who you're going to run into, right? And here's the thing, like, I wasn't, I wasn't going to be rude to her. I wasn't, nothing like that. But when I recognized she was someone who went to our church, and I knew she recognized me as a pastor, all of a sudden, it's like, I'm going to talk nice to you. <laughs> You know, because you treat people different when you recognize them, right? You treat people different when you recognize them. I want you to hear this right now. Get ready for this. You need to recognize that people are not your enemy. 
I'm going to say it again. People are not your enemy. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's the thing is that, is that the enemy might use some people. Someone say amen. <laughs> but people aren't the enemy. See, the enemy might use those kids at school, but they're not the real enemy. The, the, enemy, the enemy might use your friend, but they're not the real enemy. The enemy might use your ex. Come on, somebody. But they're not the real enemy. The enemy might use your math teacher. Somebody say amen. But they ain't the real enemy. Look, the enemy might even use your own family. Your enemy, the enemy might use your mom. They might use, he might use your dad. But can I tell you tonight, your family is not the enemy. Your family's not the enemy. You have a real enemy, but it's not people. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, this is a different version than we read earlier. This is the Living Bible. It says, for we are not fighting. We are not fighting. No, we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers, the unseen world. Look at your neighbor. Tell them, you better recognize See, when you recognize the real enemy, when you recognize the real enemy, you treat people different. All of a sudden, your attitude's a little more like, all right, I see you. I see that you hurt me. I see that you subtweeted about me. You thought I didn't see, but I saw. I seen it. I seen it. I see that you're gossiping about me, and I see... I see that you got issues with me and you got problems with me. I see, I see that you run, you run your mouth more than Usain Bolt runs the track. I see. No, I, I see you, but I'm not mad at you because you're not the real enemy. And you probably don't even realize that the enemy, the real enemy, is just trying to use you to get me to think that you're the real enemy so that I retaliate against you. Now, here's the best part, though. So, so when you recognize the real enemy is not people, the real enemy is Satan, all of a sudden you don't got to be mad at people. You could just get mad at Satan. Now, here's the best part about getting mad at Satan and fighting Satan instead of fighting people. Satan's a defeated foe. I got the end of the book, you guys. We win. Like, spoiler alert. We win. Spoiler alert. Jack dies at the end of Titanic. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. The old lady, she is, what's Noah's wife in Notebook? Allie. The, the girl at the end, the old lady in Notebook, she is Allie. She has Alzheimer's. She didn't remember. Spoiler alert. I'm sorry. I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye. See you later. <laughs> hey, spoiler alert. We're fighting a defeated enemy. He's like, you, you ever watch anybody? Anybody ever watch ESPN classics? Am I the only nerd that like watches like old, like, like you don't, you don't go back to, to like the Chicago Bulls 96, 97 finals and sit there and think, Nail biter, wonder who's gonna win. No, no, no. Drake wrote a song called Back to Back, and he said Jordan's 96 97 because Jordan and the Chicago Bulls won the finals in 96 and 97. You don't ever watch those games like, wonder how this is gonna pan out. 
Jordan, and he, Jordan, a couple times, Jordan airballed in the finals, 96, in, in 1996. You don't watch it go, airball, this guy's going to be a flop. No, because we have Space Jam. Like, we know he's a legend. Like, we got the end of the book. So you don't got to be mad at people. You don't even really got to be mad. You don't even really got to get all worked up as you combat Satan and his tricks. Why? Because he's already defeated. How? How, how was he defeated? Because Jesus didn't just die on the cross on Friday. He, we didn't just wait forever on a Saturday. No, he rose from the dead on Sunday and bought you every victory you would ever need for the rest of your life. So you don't got to get all worked up like, oh, they're gossiping about me. My life's over. No, no, no. The cross is much more powerful than their petty gossip. Recognize that people are not the real enemy. How many of y'all, like, just look at, how many of y'all turn on the news, get on Twitter, God help us, go on Instagram, maybe Facebook for a few of us, and you just go on and you're like, man, like, we need to stop treating each other like we're the enemy. Like, I here, here at, here at Bridge Youth, here at the bridge, in our church, you know what we're committed to? We're not going to, we're not going to fight with each other. We're going to fight for each other. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about what your nationality is. I don't care what your background looks like. I don't care what religion you say. I don't care if you, you, some of y'all won't even know what this stuff means. I don't care if you're liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, left or right. I don't care because guess what? We have a lot more in common than we don't. And we need to stop treating each other. Man, if the whole world, if our country could stop treating each other like we're the enemy and we realize there's a real enemy, man, then we can start fighting for each other and stop fighting with each other. And that's what I'm, that, but that's what offense does. It gets, the, the enemy gets us to start fighting with each other because then where's our attention? On each other. And he's just behind the scenes. Just playing his tricks. Don't fall for it. Look at your neighbor, tell him, you better recognize. <laughs> the next way you can combat offense, point number two, write this down, can't touch this. You know you want to say it. Look at your neighbor, say, can't touch this. That's right. Um, let me say it like this. Just stop being offended. Stay unoffended. Like, stop. Like, why do people get so offended all the time? Why? Like, you know, you know what happens? Do you know what happens when you get offended? Nothing. Nothing happens. Nothing happens when you get offended. Like, oh, I'm offended. So what's next? A pizza? I don't know. Like, nothing. And how is it that, like, Christians, Christians, like, we believe, not only do we believe that, hey, <laughs> We win at the end. Like, Jesus is coming back. God's going to restore everything. We're spending forever in heaven, in paradise. We win. Like, yay. And we know that. On top of that, we believe that we serve an all-powerful, mighty God. We should be the least, of, the least offendable people on the planet. How have we earned the reputation of being, like, the most offended people in our country? Like, how is it that, that every single middle-aged woman takes to Facebook to just express all her offenses? Like, they have, she like, they just have that, no joke, my mom, 
Mom, if you're watching the podcast, I know that you do. I love you so much. My mom has on her, like, Facebook, like, what's the top picture thing? Whatever that is. Um, he has, she has, like, right there, it's that picture of, like, like it's like a cross, a gun, um, like, uh, it's the, the, I think it's the pro-life symbol and there's something else. And it says, if this offends you, then you offend me. I am so sure that the creator of the universe is up there like, oh, guys, what are we going to do about these concealed weapons permits? <laughs> like, come on. Like, what? Like, how have we become? You know what I think? I think because we serve such a powerful God, an almighty God, that could literally snap his fingers and make everything go his way. Because we serve that type of God that he talks and the universe gets created, because we serve that type of God, I feel like we should just have this kind of, like, relaxed confidence. You know what I'm saying? Like, like so, so when a law passes that's not necessarily like the one we want, that we're not like, well, I mean, for millions and millions of years, God has like reigned supreme over the planet. But man, this one, I don't know. Like, no, we should have a sense of relaxed confidence knowing that we serve an almighty God. You ever, we should have a relaxed confidence. You ever, you ever meet someone who's like not, no relaxed confidence, instead like super tense, what's the opposite of confidence? N not confident. <laughs> You're a wordsmith, JJ. I'm a preacher. <laughs> um, insecurity. They have like a tense sort of insecurity. You know what I'm talking about. You, uh, we're talking about the person who's offended at everything. And not only are they offended at everything, but they've got to let everybody know that they're offended about everything. And they have a critique for everything. Iris, you know, the people who's like, I don't, like, it was great, but like, I just feel like the production could have been better had the lighting been like this. Oh, you do lighting? No. I've never touched a light, ever. We have, we have the clap-ons at my house. <laughs> Like, if you're in the room and you are constantly critical, can I just tell you, you're not helping anybody. <laughs> like, you're not. Stop pointing out the problems. Point out some solutions. Be the solution. Like, like, be the solution. See, see, like, and you know what it really comes down to? The people who are constantly offended by everything. Honestly, you know what it really, the, the foundation of it. They don't trust God. Hear me out. Hear me out. They're gossiping about me. And, and you know what? Like, because they're gossiping about me, I'm going to take the Twitter. I'm going to take the Instagram. I'm going to go all over my school. I'm just going to set the record straight and let everybody know that they're liars. Yes, or you could just trust that the God of the universe will bring the truth out. Because he says that the truth prevails. In the end, the truth prevails. One time we had this girl in, in, in our old church. She came to us on a Sunday morning crying, crying her eyes out. Like, Pastor Corey, um, Amber, people are spreading rumors here at the church, at my school, amongst my friends, to my family. They're spreading rumors that I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. It's, 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 a, it's a lie. It's not true. And now everyone's going to think I'm pregnant. And I said, I said, girl, are you pregnant? She's like, you believe them too. I was like, calm down. Let me finish my statement. I said, are you pregnant? No. Okay, cool. So in three or four months, when your belly isn't growing, 
those girls are going to look real stupid and the truth is going to come out. Gossip? Okay. Like, what else? Like, like you want to talk about, want to talk about, what about um, drama? Drama. Me too, man. Good thing I don't have the hiccups. Better you than me, brother. Hold your breath as long as you can. I always thought about that. Like, what happens if I get on stage to preach and I have hiccups? It's going to be, JJ, here's my notes. Preach it, man. <laughs> it's all you. Um, with drama. Like, all, like, all these issues going on. Oh, I need to take matters into my own hands. Okay, cool. Every time you take matters into your own hands, just know what it communicates. You don't trust God. Um, past hurt. Unforgiveness. Well, with past hurt, you're thinking like, what? You got to get revenge? Okay, so you don't trust that justice belongs to God. What about, what about this one? Oh, but they're Christians, and they're not doing stuff that Christians should. They're doing stuff Christians shouldn't be doing. So you know what I'm going to do? Oh, are you going to go talk to them about it, how they should like, kind of like get their life straight in that area? No, I'm going to talk to everyone else about it. Oh. So what you're saying is, is, is you need to try to set the record straight because you don't trust that the Holy Spirit still convicts people. You go down the line. Any, any place where people are overly offended, typically it's an area that they don't trust God in. That they don't trust God in. Um, all right, we're going to do, we're, we're do a little competition to illustrate this next point. So whoever you're, sit, you're sitting next to, you're going to compete with that person, all right? In just a moment, don't start yet. In just a moment, I'm going to count to 10. You're going to have 10 seconds to find every red item in the room. Don't start looking yet. You're going to, and count it, count it in your head, count it in your head. When I get to 10, you have to shut your eyes. Whoever gets the most wins, okay? Here we go. On the count of three, you get 10 seconds. Find every single red thing in the room. One, two, three, go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes, close your eyes. You got the number locked in your head? You got the number locked in your head? Eyes closed. No, you can't keep counting. Eyes closed. Okay. How many blue things did you find? You're like, I don't see any, I didn't see any blue things. I was looking for red. You know why? Because you'll find whatever you're looking for. If you're going to be offended, if you're going to just constantly look for stuff to be offended about, you're going to find it. If you want to look for things to be negative about, there's plenty to be pessimistic about. If you want to look for ways to speak death into people's lives, you'll find it. You know what we need? We need to change our perspective. Stop looking for everything that's wrong. Start looking for what's right. Remember, people aren't your enemy. So instead of looking for all the things you don't have in common, why don't you look for the things you do have in common? We grew up different. Oh, uh, uh, we're, we're upper class. They're lower class. Oh, I'm popular. They're not. I'm a jock. They're a nerd. Our, 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 we don't have the same skin color. We're not the same nationality. Okay, cool. You both got two eyes. You both got a nose. You both got a mouth. You both got hair. You both got two legs. You both got a torso. You both, both got kneecaps. You both got 10 toes, hopefully. Some people have 11 toes. It's weird. I've seen it. Like, some people have 12. Some people, like, we have, here's the point. We, we all breathe oxygen. We all, we all bleed red. We got so much more in common then we don't. Change your perspective. Look at your neighbor say, change your perspective. I want to point out really quick, 
you note takers, this is six points within one point, all right? Six ways to stay unoffended. All you concrete sequentials love me today. Like, so much notes. Yes, I'm going to be able to go home tonight. I'm going to be able to review this, talk about the steps that I got to take in order to apply this godly word into my life. I don't know why you sound like that. Like, it's what I sound like when I go home and I review my messages. Six ways to stay unoffended. Number one, take the lowest seat. Take, we have a graphic with all six of these, I believe, if you could throw that up. Number one, take the lowest seat. Does that mean, like, just, just put people before yourself? Crazy. This is crazy, I know. For, for westernized Americans, this is insane. Just consider others better than you. Just consider them better than you. In what ways? Just every way. You're a different, you're a different nationality than me, but I'm going to elevate you over myself. In history, we have, like, we, we have like a, a history of, of suppressing other people who are different. No, just, just take the lowest seat. Think of everybody as better than yourself. Because when you do, then when someone comes along and offends you by saying something like, hey, excuse me, you're kind of in my way. Instead of, you're in my way. When you take the lowest seat, you just humbly say, oh, maybe I am in your way. Let me get out of your way. Hey, God bless you. Love you. You're so awesome. Take the lowest seat. Always remain grateful. It's hard. It is so hard to be like all like you just you just like ate a lemon mad at everything and super thankful at the same time. You know what I'm saying? Like like it's hard to sit at grandma's uh, uh, dining room table at Thanksgiving eating all that food with your beautiful family and also be like, yeah, but so and so said this at school last week. Like it's hard to be thankful and also like angry at the same time. Give others their freedom. Give others their freedom. Even as Christians, no, not every person is going to be convicted by the same things. Give others their freedom. Trust God. Number four, make decisions that promote life in others, even when they offend you. When they offend you, decide, I'm going to respond to them in a way that will promote life in them, not death. Number five, trust God to bring justice. Trust who? Who? Trust God to bring justice when offense comes. It's not your responsibility to get revenge. It's not on you. Because think about it for a second. Maybe you're actually the one that was wrong. I, oh, I know. I know, guys. No way. No. Like, it, and I know it would be the first time, but there's a first for everything. Maybe you were wrong. And so maybe you're seeking revenge and seeking justice over a situation where you're actually the one that was wrong. Finally, dedicate time to the Lord. God always responds to us in grace. So when we are connected with spending regular time with God, we will begin to look like, act like, talk like, walk like Jesus. And Jesus always responded to to people with grace first. See, this is why our sermon in a sentence is that offense builds a fence, but grace, it breaks down barriers. All of a sudden, you have access to people's lives. That's the six ways that you can stay unoffended. The last way to combat offense is the band heads up. Deal with it. Look at your neighbor, say, deal with it. Deal with it. If you had, if you're about to go to sleep, if you're about to go to sleep, um, you're literally like pajamas on, the bed's looking all types of fine. You're like, dang, twin size. You're looking like a snack. And then right above that beautiful twin size bed, you see a big old spider. 
and then you go to kill, right, you, you know, you go to kill the spider, ha! And then it moves and you don't know where it's at. <clears throat> Is that not the, you're like, mom, dad, yes, what do we do? Um, burn the house down, it belongs to the spider now. <laughs> like, no, what do you do? You move the bed, you deal with it. You deal with it. When it comes to offense, deal with it. Within yourself and with others. You need to deal with it. With others, look, you gotta stop. Stop blaming other people for everything. Stop blaming other people. You go deal with it. Because see, when you blame other people, and, and you, you do this thing, no, 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 they wronged me, so it's on them to come apologize to me. Well, now who's in control? They are. You've just handed control of your life over to somebody else. When you say, no, 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 I'm gonna take responsibility to deal with it, all of a sudden, you take back the control of your life, and when you have control of your life, you could then hand it over to God and watch him work. You got to deal with it because when that happens, then God can bring freedom. You got to understand this. Hurt people hurt people. The people who've hurt you, you know why? You know why they hurt you? Because somebody hurt them. Now realize this. It's got to stop with somebody. So they hurt you because they were hurt. And now you're hurt by them, so you're going to turn around and hurt somebody else. And it's just going to be this vicious cycle. You guys know the cycle. Just turn on the news. Just, just go walk through your high school campus and see those people who freshman year, they were best friends in the entire world, and now it's senior year. And, man, if they cross paths, it's going to be World War III on Chaparral High Campus. You guys, you guys know the vicious cycle. It's got to end with someone. Why don't, what if you and I... As the followers of Jesus decided to respond to people in grace and just take responsibility and deal with it, talk about it. Just say, yeah, I'm hurt, but the hurt's going to stop with me. See, because hurt people hurt people, but forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people. Man, raise your hand if you've been forgiven by Jesus. Cool. Now you're responsible to forgive whoever hurts you. We need to forgive, and the hurt should stop with us. We got an entire world that's waging war. What if we waged peace? What if we waged peace? I, I was thinking about doing a whole series called Wage Peace. What if we, instead of, of attacking others, what if we, every time we got offended, when we're able to, we just gave it to God and we said, I'm just going to let it go and it's not even going to be a thing. But then, but then, what if the times when we can't just let it go, we said, okay, I'm going to deal with it, and I'm going to go in grace and in love have a conversation with somebody. With this in the back of my mind, I'm going to take the lowest seat because maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the one that's wrong. Maybe I'm the one that's wrong. And often what you might have to do is you might have to bring somebody like a connect group leader, like a coach, like a teacher, to be someone who's sort of a middleman, a middlewoman, a mediator, to help that conversation happen. Maybe right now you're sitting here and you're thinking of somebody in this room who offended you or you've offended them. Maybe tonight you need to have a conversation and you need to deal with it. You know what that does? It then takes the control out of the hands of the enemy 
and says, you're not going to play your tricks on me. I'm going to wage peace. Romans chapter 12, uh, verse number 17. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Some of the best advice I ever got in my whole life was, if someone wants to have a problem with you, let it be their problem. See, you, you do your part. You go and you apologize for what you need to apologize for. You seek not just resolution, but reconciliation. And then on the other side of that, if they don't want to reciprocate, if they don't want to return that, if they don't want to, to, to accept your apology and they want to go on gossiping and, and waging war, then let them, just let them do that. See, you, this is how I live my life. I got problems with nobody. Oh, so no one has problems with you? Nope. No, 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 no. I didn't say that. A few people might have problems with me, but I got problems with nobody. If someone's got a problem with you, let it be their problem. Matthew 8, I'm sorry, Matthew 5, verse uh, 23. This is almost like, um, almost like instructions on how to deal with offense and if there's an issue. Here's what it says, and this is, this is talking about church people. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, so if you're at Bridge Youth at the front of the room worshiping, singing songs, offering a sacrifice of praise, that's what worship is, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you are on the way to court uh, with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Quickly. Don't draw it out. Don't keep having it. Don't make them apologize 150,000 times. No, settle it quickly. Otherwise, your accuser, who's your accuser? Satan, your real enemy. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you've paid the last penny. Meaning what? Hold on to an offense and it's like you're in prison. And you've placed yourself in that prison. If you've offended someone, if you have offended someone, go talk to them. If someone's offended you, take a wild guess what the answer is. Go talk to them. And when you do, speak words of life, not death. Don't just seek resolution, seek reconciliation. Lastly, when it comes to others, um, I know there's soft music playing in the background, but I'm just gonna give it to you straight. Stop gossiping. Stop gossiping. I wish some high school girl would say amen. Stop gossiping. If there's one tool, one trick, one weapon, one scheme, I've seen the enemy use in church more than any other, it would be gossip. Check this out. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 43. Verse 43. Here's what it says. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Another version, New King James, it says, 
It says, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what you've heard said. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. You know what the word bless means? It means to speak well of. Imagine this playing out in real life. Did you hear so-and-so saying blah, 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 blah about you? I can't believe her. She's crazy, isn't she? Isn't she out of her mind? I can't believe it. You hear, you hear that one dude, he's telling everybody that you this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. Man, don't you want to just knock him out? And then our response is, no, they're pretty cool, actually. What? No, no, no. They're not cool. They hate you. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know why they hate me. I don't, I don't hate them. I don't know. Like, they're fine in my book. Got no issue with them. They're actually pretty cool. You know what, too? Like, strong shoe game. Really great. I don't know. Like, great shoes. They're always in a fresh pair of shoes. You know, she's a great volleyball player. You know, like, I don't know her too well. But I'll tell you this. I've seen her play. She is. She might have a future in it. What if? What if we just blessed, just spoke well of people who persecute and hate us? See, Satan, it, Satan's the father of all lies. Lying, it's his, it's his first language. See, so, so when you're going around and, and you're gossiping and you're lying and you're telling half-truths, you're not speaking English, you're not speaking French or German, you're not speaking Spanish, you're speaking satanic. It's what you're doing. You're speaking the language of demons. Cut it out. And I know, I know, guys, nobody here, it's all the people who on spring break are not in church that struggle with that. I get it, I know, I'm preaching to the choir here. But let's just remind ourselves, A, cut it out with the gossiping. And then within yourself, um, some of the best, some of the best advice I could give you when someone's offended you uh, is found in the book of Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. When, when uh, Obi-Wan and Luke, C-3PO and R2, they pull up to Mos Eisley and there's the stormtrooper there and the stormtrooper says like, hey, stop right there. And he says, these aren't the droids you're looking for. And he goes, we're, these aren't the droids we're looking for. And then he says, move along. He goes, move along. Best advice I could give you? Just forgive and move along. It's funny, like, people always ask, like, oh, what, what's your tattoo's meanings? Like, what's the significance? And I'm like, significance, uh, lighthouses are dope. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, oh, you got a leopard on your, is it a leopard? Le no, it's a panther. I don't even, I don't know. You got a panther on your ankle. That's cool. What does it mean? Like, strength? Nah, it means panthers are dope. Look close. He's got a gold tooth. <laughs> no joke. The panther on my ankle's got a gold tooth. <laughs> like, and funny as it is, the one, one of the tattoos on me that has a lot, and some of them have like biblical significance and stuff, but my Star Wars tattoo has um, some of the most meaning to me because it was in a season where I felt really hurt and really used and abused by certain people in my life. And I asked a mentor of mine, what should I do? And he said, just forgive and move along. And of course me, I'm like, eh, storm, stormtrooper, no? Okay, anyways. <laughs> like, and so I, I put on my body to always remember like, man, just move along. Have you been hurt? I'm sorry. I am. Just forgive and move along. Just forgive and move along. 
You know, the, um, as I close the, the I only say I, I'm closing because they say when you, when you say the word, I'm clo- the words I'm closing or I conclude that 70% of your audience re-engages. Preacher tips, JJ. Um, the word offense, the word offense in the original Greek, it's the word scandalon, scandalon. Um, it's where we get our word scandal or, and, and where we get our word scandalous. And um, the Greek word scandalon, literally, the literal meaning is the bait. So when someone comes to you and they're trying to start a scandal, when someone's acting scandalous, when someone comes to you and they're gossiping, explaining how scandalous they're acting and this scandal that they're in the middle of, realize what it actually is. It's, it's, it's not like this, this just like gossip or just this like average moment. What it actually is, is the real enemy dangling bait in front of you, seeing if you'll take it. Because he knows on the other side of that bait is a hook. And if he's able to dig the hook in deep enough, he could then drag you to the place where he could kill you. I don't like fishing either, guys. It's just an analogy, though. Save the fishes. We love you, Nemo. Don't take the bait. I encourage you, just don't take the bait. Don't take it. Don't fall into it. Don't get offended. Don't hold on to it. I want to pray for you tonight and I want to pray specifically around three things one that you would recognize the real enemy two that God would protect you from being offended that he would strengthen your heart strengthen your emotions strengthen your mind and protect you from carrying offense and that God would help you deal with any offense that is currently in your life that instead of responding to people by waging war we could wage peace and respond to people with grace because offense builds a fence but when we show grace every barrier breaks down let me pray for you tonight god i just pray god that every single person in this room would realize who the real enemy is that enemy is not sitting on their left or on their right that enemy doesn't go to school with them enemy doesn't live at their house the enemy is satan help us to realize that because when we do we won't wage war against people god i pray that um that you would that you would protect every single person in this room from offense god i can't i can't pray that they would never the actions would never be taken against them that are offensive but god that rather they would never carry offense strengthen their heart their minds their emotions help them to never carry offense but to trust you and God if there's any offense going on in this room maybe there's drama maybe there's family drama maybe there's issues between them and somebody help them to deal with those God so that they can take the control out of the enemy's hands and God by trusting you and responding in love and grace all that stuff can just die out leave and God that they can step into reconciliation help us God to live at peace with everybody. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, maybe you're here tonight. You're like, man, I've been hurt. I've been offended. I have a past. and, And I've never been able to move past that. Can I tell you tonight that forgiven people forgive people? One of the best ways that you can step into letting go of all that's happened to you is by entering into a relationship with your creator God, with Jesus. 
The truth of the matter is, is that we've all offended God. We've all broken his law. We're the ones who need forgiveness. We've all, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. It's called sin. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We all need forgiveness. Sin is what separates us from God. But he extends forgiveness to us so freely. And he wants to be in relationship with you. He loves you so much. So if you're in here tonight, you say, that is me. I, I've been hurt and I'm actually still carrying hurt. It's kind of controlling my life, but I want to move on from that. I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, in just a moment, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to respond in a really simple way. I just want you to raise your hand. And I just ask that you raise your hand because I believe that when we respond on the outside to what God's doing on the inside, it solidifies it in our hearts and our minds and in our souls. So if that's you tonight, you say, I want that relationship with Jesus. I know I've sinned, I know I've messed up, and I want forgiveness too. If that's you, on the count of three, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want you to lift your hands. One, tonight's your night. Two, don't hesitate. Three, all over this place, raise your hand. Anybody else? Hands going up everywhere. Come on, anybody else? And it's the best decision that you'll ever make with your life. I promise you that. Anybody else? Amazing, amazing, amazing. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? Amazing. It's the best decision you'll ever make with your life. God's forgiveness is already washing over you. Forgiveness is flowing freely in this place. You can put your hands down. The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead and you'll be saved. That's what we're going to do right now. We're going to confess with our mouth and I'm going to give you words uh, we call it prayer. You could call it talking with God. We're just going to confess that, yeah, we've messed up and we need forgiveness. And God's going to freely extend that forgiveness to you tonight because of Jesus on the cross. So since we're a family, we're going to pray this together. Every single person in this room, right out loud, right after me, would you pray these words? Say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I know you're a savior. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. So tonight, I give you my heart, I give you my life, I give you everything. I hand over offense to you and I forgive because you've forgiven me. Jesus, I'm gonna follow you today and forever for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Can we welcome people into God's family right now?